Hello. Is that right? Hey, thanks, guys. Um, Keith's in Cobram. Darren's on, on camera. And Izzy's doing worship and sound. We have a pretty amazing um, team, amen. Um, so I, I, Keith asked me if I wanted to preach, and at the time I had like three messages all set out before me, all nicely clipped, ready to go. Um, got to Saturday, and there's that thing, the seed or the sound or the whisper of Christ speaking to you. No, 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 no. So I want to talk to you guys this morning about John three sixteen, and maybe a little bit of John 17, okay? Um, how many people, so who knows the scripture, John three sixteen? Okay, Jesse, stand up and, and read, well, speak it. Speak it. Do you know it off by heart? Very good. Anyone over this side know that scripture off by heart? Go, Terry. Just speak it out. Amen. Any ladies? We had a taker over there. You know it. Do you know it? Can you stand up and just say it? Any more ladies? No? Okay. That, that was one of the very first scriptures that I ever learned um, from a very small child. Um, I'm not sure how come I knew it when I was little, probably because my mum used to say it to us a lot. And um, I was brought up in a... In a my mum was Catholic, so I was brought up in a Catholic kind of religion, went to church every Sunday, had the Holy Communion, did catechism classes every Wednesday night, the whole bit, you know. And uh, went to a, a Catholic high school um, because that was the best way to get an education. So I've always lived and known and understand that Jesus died for me. Always. Um, you know, they'd have Easter... Um, services and they talk a lot about Jesus dying on the cross but as a kid I didn't really get that stuff and even as a teenager um, I was going to a Catholic high school and you know I don't have anything against Catholicism to be honest because some of the most amazing people that I know were Catholic um, nuns and a Catholic priest. The, The Catholic priest who married Keith and I when we were the ripe young age of 21 um he, he had to take us through um, marriage pre-counselling. He was supposed to indoctrinate us into the Catholic Church. And basically all he did was take us through a video about the life of Jesus and he would show us some clips and he'd go, are there any questions that you want to ask about this? And that's all he did. Is there anything that you want to know about Jesus? So um, I'd, I'd gone through this whole life Understanding that Jesus died for my sins. Okay? Jesus was, you know, as a teenager, Jesus was such a good guy that he he was obedient to his dad and he died for my sins. So I'm just going to pray and that's the basis where I'm going to come from. Okay? So Father God, in Jesus' name. Wow. 
Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the people that you have gathered here and who may be listening on live stream, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, and I thank you, and I can't express my gratitude um, to be able to do the stuff that I do um, in your name. And everybody said, Amen. So can you break it down? For God so loved the world. Yeah? Can you just stand up, Jess, and say that? Oh, good, 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 good. I used to think that God's love was special because he was God and he has to love us because he made us and it's his fault if we come out wrong. (laughs) Seriously, I used to think that, you know. Um, For God so loved the world. And, you know, like like God loves all of you guys because you're not as good as me. You know, when you're a kid, you, you break things down different. As a teenager, it was kind of like, yeah, so what if God loves me? whoop de do. You know, I just don't want him peeking in on me when I want to sneak out to parties or go and drink and stuff. You know, this is like a 17-year-old, 18-year-old um, wanting to hang. You know, I certainly don't want Jesus hanging around with me there kind of thing, you know. So for a time, it's not that I turned my back on Jesus. I just knew that he loved me, and for some crazy reason, I thought he loved me enough to turn a blind eye to the not-so-good bits. Truth. Keith and I got together quite young. I started going out with Keith when I was 17 years old. We moved in about six weeks later. Honey, I'm I'm not bearing all of our yuckiness, so don't worry. (laughs) But we were young. I lied to my mother and told her that um, I needed to to board with Keith's family because it's closer to the bus stop for me to go to work. Seriously. I'm just being really honest. And so, you know, Keith and I got together. Keith was hot. He still is. Just got to let you know. (laughs) Just letting you know. And um, he was also the the main, um, not dealer, but if you wanted drugs, Keith was the, everyone in our street and around where we lived knew that he was the go-to guy. You know, I don't know, this stuff still goes on. If you think for one minute there's not a couple of go-to guys in this town, you are dreaming. (laughs) So we kind of like had this strange life where um, we had a group of friends and each, each couple were quite involved in the scene that they were in. So Keith and I were into the nightclubbing scene. Because um, Keith's best mates were um, part of a security team that looked after nightclubs in Auckland City. And he would go and train with them to keep fit. And his best man was one of the leader guys in the, in the security team. So we, we would go to all these nightclubs in Auckland City. And, you know, me, I got to dance the night away. And I think Keith told you that funny story about me walking down the stairs and I tripped and fell flat on my face. Did he tell you that? Okay, just just one story. So here's me. Uh, I'm I'm 18 and a half years old, in the full flush of my beautiful womanhood. I I just discovered that dresses look really nice on because up to that point I used to wear jeans and nothing else because I had all brothers, 
Anyway, got all dressed up to go out to a nightclub and, and I wore six inch, six inch stiletto pumps with this dress. It was very flowy and very beautiful and we got to the nightclub at night and, we, and Keith's got me on his arm and I'm as proud as punch and he's as proud as punch too and we're going down these steps down into this nightclub. I think it was called Aladdin's or something like that. Anyway, um, we're going down in there, and my foot got caught in my long, flowy dress, and I just went splat, and Keith just kept on walking. (laughs) I'm totally flustered and embarrassed. He didn't even know I'd fallen. (laughs) He didn't even notice. It was the funniest thing. And um, someone raced over and picked me up, and I got in a real snitch. I was really annoyed, you know. You didn't even come and save me. You don't really love me. And um, we had a great night that night. Sorry, but we didn't end. I forgave him and it just went on. But that's, that's how empty-minded I was at the time. Do you know what I'm saying? Does anyone else, the, the un, unable to think of God, you d- definitely do not talk to God in a nightclub or a pub because that is just sacrilegious. You can't do that. That's really bad. Is it? What does the word of God actually tell us? At all times, all times you can pray to God. But I didn't know that. My understanding of Jesus was very tied up in religious dogma. Now, I have to be, I have to be, um, I want to be honest because, you know, like we, we do a lot of bashing. There's a lot of Pentecostalism bashes the Catholic Church, but, man, they've been standing for several thousand years and the Pentecostal movement's been going less than 100, okay? Not being rude. <laughs> um, but I, I had been brought up in a certain way and that's how I thought God was, you know? Um, Keith and I got saved through a friend that Keith went to work with and um, I think it was on my 21st birthday, I had my 21st, and I sang at my 21st. And this big guy comes up to me and he says, you're going to sing for Jesus one day. And I thought to myself, you are crazy. You know, I'm looking at Keith going, is this a friend of yours? <laughs> you know, and guess what? I do. I still do. Um, God so loved me that he saw behind my pretentiousness. He saw beyond the arrogance of my youth and he called me anyway. Okay? Um, We got saved when I was 21. It was about six months after we got married. Told all that stuff. And then we went to a Bible, well, we, we went to church, did youth group for ages, life groups, blah, blah, blah. Went to Bible college. Bible college was really interesting because um, I, had, I had gone to Bible college with Keith with the thought that we were the on fire ones. Revival is going to come through us because we are the on fire ones. And I get to Bible college, and the, there were 120 students at Faith Bible College in Welcome Bay, Tauranga. 
and get to Bible college and lo and behold, there's 120 students and they all think the same thing that I do. And they're from all over the world and different parts of the country and my brain's going, how can revival come through them? It's coming through me and Keith. We're the ones that have got the message. We've got the, we've got the vision. It's us who's got it. How weird is that? I learned a lot at Bible college and one of the first things I learned is that God will have his way no matter what. We'd been at Bible college for about, um, I don't know, two weeks and, and Keith got sick and he'd had enough. All these on fire crazy Christians were driving us bananas and we decided what we were going to do is we packed our car up and we were going to sneak out and drive away. <laughs> and two weeks in and, and the course lasted 12 months. So two weeks in, we, we, we weren't giving up. We just didn't want to be a part of these people because they were, yeah... You know, there's on fire and then there's kooky and they are way past the kooky stage sort of thing. You know, we just couldn't fathom it. So we waited till midnight and um, we snuck to our car and started it up to go. It would not start. <laughs> Keith gets out and he opens up the bonnet and he fiddles around with this da-da-da-da-da. Put the bonnet down, get back in the car. Gets out, grabs his hammer, whack, <laughs> closes the, you know, starts it up, <laughs> nothing, nothing. So we had to stay there. The next, so we stayed the night and we got up in the morning, we thought, oh, we'll have a look at it. And um, we'd actually, we'd, we forgot, we'd said to somebody, are you welcome to use the car if you want, if you want to go somewhere? We just, just leave the key out on a hook. <laughs> I know, we're a bit crazy. And we go out to the car, and this guy comes with, thanks, guys, jumps in the car, starts stuff, and drives off. And it's like, what? What? What's, what's going on? And we just turned and looked at one another. And I said to Keith, I'm pretty sure it's God, but I'm not too sure about for God so loved part. Because <laughs> I wasn't sure. Because it was like he was making us do something that we didn't really want to do. Faith Bible College turned out to be a extremely, extremely good thing for Keith and I. We, we um, burrowed. Digging is not enough. We burrowed into the word of God and one of our theology teachers had a, um, a doctorate, Pastor Cecil. And he was an older man, but man, he didn't put up with nonsense. And he taught us really, really well in and through the word of God. We were taught how to lead worship. First place I ever had a singing lesson. And we would go out on outreaches and all this kind of stuff, right? So by the end of our first um, semester, um, Keith and I were thinking, oh, well, you know, we'd really like to do something. We'd like, and they were wanting Keith to preach in Fiji because in Fiji you, you preach three to four messages a day and they wanted to put him under the pump to, to hone his preaching skills. And um, we had a guy come and visit the school who basically said that um, he was going to Mexico to do an outreach. Would anybody here like to go? And Keith and I had never been overseas. And, oh, yeah, we'll go. We didn't even know how to apply for our passports. <laughs> anyway, they said, oh, you've only got like about three or four weeks. I don't know if you can get your passport. And you've got to get a, a visa from America, from the American consulate. My brain's going, 
what's an American consulate? We were really green, okay? So we, we got all the stuff done, and lo and behold, the, the U.S. consulate, we rang them up. They, they let us in straight away, and they gave us a multiple entry for like four years into the States. They just loved us for some reason. Maybe it was a Bible college thing. But we got to go. And around about then, I said to Keith, God must love us. He must love us. Here we are. You know, we're getting packing our bags to go to Mexico. I have to say, really green. We had about four really large suitcases to, to go all the way to Mexico. Truth be known, only one, half of one was our stuff. But we had a whole heap of things we wanted to take to give away. Oh, and my guitar. Never again have I ever travelled like that. But um, we went and we did went through the states, and we got to the states, and it was weird because they speak the same language as us, but they ain't New Zealanders, and they aren't Australians either. The way that they, they, that they do things and say things just did my head in. And um, we were, we were sent to a couple who used to go to the Bible College who ended up. Um, helping us sort out what we're doing and getting to the right people. So Keith and I, in case you haven't known, Keith likes to save money. So instead of instead of um, flying from LA to Mexico City, we took a bus because it saved us something like about I don't know 120 American dollars. Um, would I do it again? Probably not. <laughs> But we caught this bus that drove us to Tijuana, and then we switched buses, the Greyhound from, from um, Tijuana, we switched to a, a, a Mexican crew, and um, nobody spoke English, nobody. And around about that time, I'm thinking about, oh my God, sorry Lord, sorry Lord, sorry Lord, um, I don't know anybody here. I can't communicate with anybody. What on earth are we doing here? We must have heard wrong. God, you don't love me. And I went into a little bit of a decline, to be honest. I got depressed because I thought, you know, we got sucked in and we followed the, the stupid trail and now we're stuck somewhere where nobody knows us, blah, blah, blah. We were on the bus for like three nights and it was just awful. <laughs> It was really, really awful. When I think of it now, it's hilariously funny. But at the time, I was quite young, and I'd never travelled anywhere before. It was just the worst thing. Our bus broke down. Nobody spoke English, and every time... So we broke down, and the idea was you waited until you could see the headlights of another bus. We were in the Mojave Desert, by the way. So I think that's right. And you'd wait for lights to come up, and everybody would run on the, on the road to block it. <laughs> <laughs> this was my introduction to Mexico. Anyway, finally get to Mexico City. Um, Keith wanted to stay in a really, really cheap hotel, and I said, no, no. He said, oh, can we? I said, no, you are not taking me somewhere where a bandit can come and murder us and take off with all our stuff. Blah, 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 blah. Man, I was so full of faith at that time. Whew. See, it's what I'm trying to, I know I'm, I'm rattling on about the story about Keith and I and all the rest of it, but it's that journey. We ended up being picked up by the New Zealand guy who was running the um, outreach, and we went to a missionaries conference, and then we were taken to um, 
a missionary's house where we were going to be staying for several months and, um, and then became the hard yakka. I can remember folding 10,000 four-page tracts. Have you got any idea how many tracts those are? It was two pallets full. <laughs> and we had to hand-fold them because the folder had, was playing up the machine. And um, being New Zealanders, it was like really boring. And what we did was is we would have um, races with the Mexican guys because we couldn't talk to them, but they understood, let's have a competition. And I think it took us about, I don't know, three or four days to do it. And we used to get up in the morning waiting to see who was going to win today. And um, on the, we didn't know, but the guy who, who ran the organisation that we were with had put us in that position specifically to see whether or not we would serve. And um, he was so impressed that not only did we serve, but we, we actually caused the guys at their printing press to actually really enjoy the service because we had so much fun. We would, we would um, have competitions over who had to make the coffee, um, who had to sweep the floors, you know, if you got the most... Um, um, tracks folded, then you missed out. You didn't have to do all these jobs. And he was just so impressed with it that he, t- that he took us on tour with them. So we ended up um, doing a tour through Mexico with this guy, um, Tim Oost, 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 O-S-T. And we learned a lot. And one of the things that I learned most about serving God and about loving Jesus and about God calling, to, calling us to do his will is that he looks at us And he looks at our heart of service. It's really easy to present a go-ahead, really, really good, fantastic team. You know, we can do anything, blah, 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 kind of persona. Um, but in the years that we, we learned how to work in God, God taught us how to serve. And I can remember being in Mexico City, and we arrived, being taken to our hotel by this gentleman. Um, and we went out, and we had dinner at, I don't know, some takeaway place, um, an eaten diner sort of thing. And, um, okay, Pekka. So I, I had dinner and I left my handbag behind. And we'd been given like $10,000 from our church to give away while we were there. And it was in my bag. And I forgot about it till the morning. And the next morning I rang up and I said, oh, to the people who took, I'm so sorry, but I left my handbag behind. Can I just go in and can we go in and see if they've still got the handbag? And the lady said to me, you are dreaming. In Mexico, people, in particularly places like that, they don't hand in that stuff. You know, you dream. Oh, stupid. Oh, please, please, please. So we went and uh, went up to the counter and I said, look, I'm really, he, the guy said, oh, madame. And he had my handbag. And it had everything in it. And it wasn't so much me, but the people who were our minders, you know, you have minders when you go overseas, they were totally blown away. And that's probably the first time that it hit me 
just how much God loves us, just how much God loves me. Because, you know, if, if, if that handbag hadn't have been there, I honestly don't know what I would have done. I can't even think, you know, replace the money. How? I'd have probably packed up and gone home, to be absolutely honest, because I'd give up. I would have given up. So, you know, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, so whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. Not perish, but have everlasting life. Um, There are lots and lots of ways that we can perish. Okay? There's lots of ways. You know there's such a thing as a living death? You know? You ask somebody who's going through... I'm not talking about feeling sad, but you ask somebody who's going through clinical depression... um, It feels like a long, slow death. You ask anybody who's going through clinical anxiety and the absolute fear to the point where people pass out with that stuff. Oh, I'm just wondering if I should embarrass my brother. Yeah, why not? (laughs) We went to a wedding. Um, My nephew got married uh, Sunday, on Friday. And... um, my brother had to speak at the wedding. He's never spoken in front of people before, even though he's had other people in his family get married. Um, he just, it just churns him up. He has full-on anxiety attacks. He's passed out twice catching a plane. That's why he doesn't like flying, but every now and again we can force him into it. And um, I didn't go to that part of the evening, but my... Um, Son Ezzy videoed it, and I'm I'm laughing. There's this picture of him. You can see the beads of sweat popping out on his head. He's shaking and carrying on, and then Keith goes up to him. And my brother is not a born again Christian, okay, but he's been with us long enough to know that our answer to everything is prayer. So Keith goes up to him. He's going. <laughs> he's really annoyed. Don't touch me. And Keith said, mate, mate, calm down. I'm going to pray for you. And there's this video of, of Keith with his hand on my brother's shoulder praying for him. And he got up and he spoke and he didn't pass out, which was the major league plush. But not only that, he did really, really well. And he came up to Keith afterwards and he says, oh, I don't know what happened. It must have been that prayer. Well, we know it is. We know it's the prayer. Don't you, do you guys get that? We know this stuff. See, but he doesn't. There are so many people in this world having to do life without Jesus. For whatever, and maybe it's because we haven't told them, maybe it's because they've had it presented to them in a way that they don't like, or they might have had a bad experience with churches, blah, 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 blah. But that's not the end of life. There's so much more, so much more. For God so Loved is the issue. So our God, I started the worship service with the whole idea, the thought pattern that he loves us. Remember, God sees what's in our heart, not what we present to those around us and to those who, who know us. Even to our, our nearest and dearest, God knows us way better 
then our, our husbands or wives or brothers or sisters or whatever know us. God knows us way better. Now, he does not accept the junk in our lives, but he loves us enough, he really does, to believe that we will find him in such a way that that junk will eventually go. Do you get that? I used to think, nah, nah. You know, Jesus' blood covers me and it washes me white as snow. And then I can go and sin whenever I want because then I just get the blood and I fix myself up and she'd be right, mate. Yeah? Because that's, that's what I learned. Truth. Yes, the blood of Jesus covers. It washes. It removes. But that blood also changes our DNA. We're supposed to let God love us. We're supposed to live our lives because he loves us. It is a lot easier to serve someone who loves you than to serve someone who's going to beat you up every time something wrong happens. Sorry. That scripture was the first scripture I learned. <clears throat> and then as I've become, I don't know, more word orientated, I love the second verse. So Terry, could I get you to sing, to stand up and read John three seventeen? through himself. See, God loves us. He didn't send Jesus to belt us up. He didn't send Jesus so that that we would be, be punished every time we sinned. He sent Jesus so that we would know salvation. Okay, so I want you guys to close your eyes for a minute. Minutes a long time too, by the way. (laughs) Just close your eyes. I want you to think of somebody who doesn't know Jesus, that you know that you might be able to share something with. Just think. Okay, now I I want you to think how you would share the gospel of Jesus with them. God, Easter coming up, we can hand out tracts, give them a pen, Tell them Jesus loves them. Pray for them. Think about it. Okay, put your hand up if you've done it. Okay. This is my challenge to you to end this service with. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have live everlasting life. For he did not send his son into this world to condemn it, but to save it through himself, right? My challenge is to you, what you thought just then, turn it into practical. Do what you just thought you could do. 
Um, You don't get beaten up by God if you don't do it. But I guarantee you that if you do, it will be amazing. Okay? So I'm just going to pray. Father God, we thank you for the person of Jesus Christ. We thank you for his blood that washes us whiter than snow. We thank you, Lord God, for your amazing love for us. And we ask, Lord God, that you teach us not to be selfish with that love. Help us, Lord God, to not keep it to ourselves, but to share it with other people in our family, in our workplaces, in the areas in which we live. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Thank you.